Ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 98, Yoga Behind Bars Goes Online, a conversation with Jess Frank. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery, as well as our special guest for today, Jess Frank. Jess is the program director for Yoga Behind Bars, or YBB for short. YBB is a Washington state-based nonprofit that has been sharing trauma-informed yoga and meditation with thousands of incarcerated youth and adults since 2008. Starting this month, September 2018, if you're listening in real time, the organization's comprehensive trauma-informed training will be available online for the very first time. Full disclosure, YBB is working with us via Namastream to host this program, and we're so incredibly humbled that Jess and her team have chosen to use our platform. Jess's passion for providing transformative opportunities to incarcerated people started at the very beginning of her career and has only grown since she became a YBB instructor nearly five years ago. As a program coordinator for the post-prison education program and university behind bars, Jess became both intimately acquainted with the challenges facing people in the criminal justice system and deeply inspired by the dedication of her students. As YBB's program director, Jess co-facilitates trauma-informed trainings, manages and mentors volunteers, oversees program creation and growth, and conducts site visits and evaluations. Jess has shared with us that the highlight of her week is teaching yoga to 25 students at the men's prison in Monroe, Washington. Sandy and I left this conversation with Jess even more inspired than when we had first met her and learned about the work of YBB, and we think that you will too. It's just a phenomenal conversation with a wonderful human being doing important work in the world. And without further ado, here is Jess. Okay, so welcome, Jess, to the podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. It has been a long time coming. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So we have been collaborating with you for a bit and the organization you work with, Yoga Behind Bars, and we're really excited because you all are about to launch a program out to the public, which we can get into later. But why don't we start with your story and learn a little bit about you, Jess Frank, and also a little bit about Yoga Behind Bars, the organization that you work with? Sure. So... Let's see. I've been working with Yoga Behind Bars as the program director for September 21st. It'll be my third year anniversary. 
And prior to that, I was a volunteer for a couple of years. And I really came into this work a little bit by accident. I had had some academic interests in college and actually in high school. I went to high school and grew up in, in Missoula, Montana. And somehow I got interested in drug policy reform as a high schooler. <laughs> I don't know where that came from exactly. But I really recognized that the impact that the war on drugs was having on international communities, especially in Central and South America. And so in college, this kind of stayed as a, as a thread on a personal interest level. But it wasn't really until I graduated and I went to a fundraiser around the ACLU's drug policy reform that I met someone who was running an organization helping people who are getting out of prison get into community college. And I just had a really amazing conversation with him and offered to come and do some tutoring because I was at the time looking for work and had a lot of free time, just recently graduated. And that was absolutely life-changing. Just my heart was just blown open and I met all these people who I had, you know, all these stories and judgments I didn't even know I had about who they were and why they went to prison and how they were different from me or different from people that I, you know, kind of spent time with and just had a ton of my assumptions confronted and challenged and really recognize the kind of human face of this work that I'd been kind of intellectually interested in. And it's just from there grown and grown into doing work behind bars and activism on the outside. And really now, you know, with yoga behind bars, trying to find out continually how we can serve students behind bars in the many different contexts that we work in with youth, adult men, adult women, people who are non-binary genders that are, you know, are looking to find tools and ways to heal and address their stress and trauma and become better acquainted with themselves. And these people come to our classes behind bars and I'm in a continual investigation of how we can best serve them and lift up their voices and make a program that's relevant and accessible for them. So that's kind of, I guess, (laughs) a short version of who I am and how I've come into this work. The yoga part specifically is something that, you know, I'm kind of a typical person who comes into a yoga class, white, female, able-bodied, a certain amount of economic privilege. And when I realized how helpful yoga was to me and addressing stress and challenges and insecurities that I carried and, and lived with, it was very clear to me that these tools could be very helpful to the people that I'd worked with for many years behind bars. And it was really amazing to find out at the time that yoga behind bars already existed. So it wasn't something I had to create, nor would I have had the capacity to do that. So it was really wonderful to get my yoga training and then get plugged in with YBB, this great organization. And it's been beautiful to be kind of co-evolving with it over the last five years. Can you tell us a little bit more about Yoga Behind Bars? Who founded it, where it exists, like where it's situated, and a little bit more about the purpose, like why it came to be? 
Yeah. So Yoga Behind Bars started unofficially as kind of one class. And when I say unofficially, we became a nonprofit 10 years ago. But before that, gosh, probably 15 or 17 years ago, Mm -hmm. even a woman named Shana started the program. And she met kind of a similar experience that I had wasn't really directly impacted or familiar with the system, but had a pretty life-changing experience just meeting someone who had formerly been incarcerated at uh, an activist camp that she was at. And they'd started talking about yoga. She was a yoga teacher. And this person said, wow, I would have really liked to have been able to do that when I was incarcerated. And kind of a light bulb went off and she started offering one class at the King County Jail in Seattle, which is right downtown, holds about a thousand people. And then it just evolved and she brought a woman named Natalie who became the co-founder and together they made it 501c3 nonprofit in 2008. And it just started to grow more and more people came and got involved and they expanded to the youth detention facility just up the hill in the central district of Seattle and then out to some of the state prisons in cities close to Seattle. And then over time, it's now 2018 and we're in 18 different correctional facilities across the state of Washington spanning really all over the state because something we know about prisons is that they're often in very agricultural places far away from city centers. So it's been this kind of slow process of getting people involved, getting volunteers trained, building curriculum, becoming more and more informed around trauma awareness and systems of oppression and all the factors that really impact people who are incarcerated, bringing more incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people into our program via the board of directors and staff and student advisors. So it's kind of been this evolving project over these years and staff have come and gone and currently, you know, Shana is no longer involved with the organization, but we're led by a team of six staff and 14 board of directors. We have about 100 volunteer instructors who teach at all of the facilities throughout the state. And then one other thing to note that's a more recent development with Yoga Behind Bars, but is really at the heart of the work that we're doing and something that we have aspirations to expand upon is we train not only people in the community to learn trauma-informed teaching skills, techniques, tools to take to into prison and beyond because we know that trauma exists everywhere. But also we've trained people who are living behind bars to be instructors for their peers. And also none of them have been released yet. We've trained 10 men and five women, but also when they get released that they can use those skills in their communities And that's a really beautiful program because there are very few opportunities for people who are incarcerated to be leaders among their peers. And so we've had to really work closely with Department of Corrections here in Washington to advocate and build rapport and build trust so that we could implement this kind of, you know, program that challenges a lot of the ways that prisons operate in terms of creating leaders on the inside. So that's a little bit about YBB. I hope that paints a a bit of a picture. Yeah, I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, so, me too. Me too. How does someone opt in mm-hmm. as a prisoner, as, as an incarcerated person? How does a person opt in to go through the training or how do you select those people? The training, it was a statewide selection process. So generally, 
they will find out about it through their counselors and then they could apply. And then the prison had to look and say, okay, you know, this person has met these criteria. They have no major infractions in the last several years. They also look at the release date to make sure that they'll be available for the whole training and the mentorship beyond the training. And then we sat down with some of our kind of partners in the corrections staff. And we looked through the applications and we tried to be really mindful of selecting a group that was diverse, racially, age, experience level, just personal sort of background. And then also thinking about, you know, really wanting to have a group of teachers who can be not just diverse in terms of these things we normally think of, but we could tell through their application a little bit, like why people wanted to do this. Like some people really wanted to think about doing it on the outside and maybe their release date is in five years. And then some people really wanted to build and shift the culture within the prison. And maybe they have life without parole, which means they won't be getting out unless legislation changes. And then some people really were looking to kind of develop personally and weren't sure about teaching. And so we tried to also be mindful of that and a diverse group in terms of kind of what they would do with the tools. It was hard, though, that we had to say no to some people. And since we've implemented these trainings, we've gotten so many letters and students telling us, like, when's the next one? I know someone that wants to do it or just letters asking, like letting us know that someone's really interested. So it's something we hope to keep doing, but it's a very resource intensive and challenging project with a lot of unknowns both times we've done it. So we just want to make sure we can do it well. Jess, I want to ask about when you first come into a prison and say, hey, we're offering yoga, what is the initial reaction? Like, are people excited? Or is there still some sort of stigma to that, that that's not what I do? And does it make a difference if it's a male prison, female prison, or a youth? It definitely makes a difference where we see the largest discrepancy is youth and adults. And it makes sense, right? Like when I was 15, I didn't want to go to a yoga class. So with the youth, there's definitely some opting out and some kind of protest that we see of of non-participation or leaving halfway through class. And we really try to train our teachers and support our teachers in, in being very permissive and invitational so that we're not just another group coming in or person in their life who's like, do this, you, this is, you know, you need to meet these expectations and just another kind of authoritarian presence in their lives. And that takes a lot of awareness and patience and holding of complexity because at the same time, we know that these tools are beneficial for a young nervous system, especially one that is enduring a lot of stress. And so we kind of have to hold that balance of offering something and knowing that it's worthwhile, but doing it really mindfully and with sensitivity and with tools. With adults, it's a different story. Adults that come to our programs, like they really want to be there. And there is some stigma, I'd say more so in men's facilities, which is a category that we find a little problematic because we know a lot of our students don't identify as male or female, but that's they don't always identify with the facility that they're housed in. So just that caveat. But regardless, the trend is that at men's facilities, there are a lot of stigma and it can take quite a bit of courage, I think, for a student to come to a class. 
But if they're there, they really want to be there. And there's a little less so that I think at the women's facility. But what we find is that when we start a program, we have wait lists. We have outstanding requests from facilities all over the state, from students and staff at those facilities. So people, I think things are changing. And yoga and specifically yoga that's taught kind of in a way that holds awareness of trauma and inclusivity or lack of inclusivity that can come with these kinds of practices and how they're taught and facilitated. I think that there's more and more awareness in kind of mainstream spaces and government run spaces and corporate spaces that like, oh, wait, there's these are actually legitimate things that our culture needs and are helpful in creating public safety and personal growth and healing. And I think what I'm seeing is that it's becoming more and more legitimate and people are raising less and less skepticism around it. Of course, when I go on our trips out to the, you know, eastern part of Washington, it's a little different. So there is some geographic, you know, as anything, it takes different amounts of time for things to catch on. Yeah, as in anything. I want to just explore. So you've got two kind of services you offer. Basically, YBB will come into the prison and teach yoga. But the other side that you focus on is teacher training for those teachers, yoga teachers that want to get into this kind of work. And so is there a reason I know you and I have talked many times before, and I know that there's people who want to do this work. Why are you just in Washington? Is that just a, like, why can't you go into Northern California prisons or Oregon or wherever? Great question. And we get asked this often. And I'm really excited to talk about it because, you know, this is one of the reasons that we're with you and we're excited to be on on the stream. It's a big challenge. Mass incarceration is, you know, really an outstanding and abnormality in our country relative to the rest of the world. We incarcerate at a magnitude that is really unmatched historically and globally currently. And so just in Washington state on any given day, there are over 35,000 people who are incarcerated. Every single day. Every day? day? Yes. 18,000 are held by the Department of Corrections in the state, and the other, approximately another 18,000 are housed in county jails, federal detention, and youth detention. And so you can imagine that the need is immense. And even with six staff, 100 volunteers, our budget of less than $500,000, we are able to serve about 15,000 students per year, which ends up being about 4,000 unique people. So there's, you know, there's, there's some repetition in a given year of people showing up in our classes. But we could do so much more just in Washington State is kind of where I'm getting with that. And then the other thing is that prisons are a very complex environment, and they differ from state to state. And they also differ from facility to facility within a state. They all hold their own culture. So what we found is that we have to stay on our toes constantly just to know how to navigate this incredibly, almost like paramilitary kind of system. And then also, you know, show up from a perspective that's quite different in terms of what we see prisons as and what we see the people who are living in prison are kind of capable of and what we believe is the way that we can support those people. 
So what that means is that we want to support people who are doing this work in other states, but we recognize that it's not a kind of one-size-fits-all model. There are certainly learnings and tools and strategies that are highly helpful and that we would have loved to have known you know, before we started. And yeah, we've learned so much along the way, but ultimately each region of the country or even beyond in the world, there is going to be nuances and relationships and that need to be held kind of locally, we believe. And we're not really interested in just kind of stamping the YBB name on a program if we can't actually support it and lend that capacity to folks on the ground in that area. Because it's not about, you know, YBB being able to be like, oh, we're, we're in this many states or we're this far our program expands out into all these geographic areas. It's more of how can we actually support people and continue to show up for the need in our own state, which you know is immense. So that's why we haven't expanded yet. We do want to support people, and we've figured out what our capacity is to do that. And this training that we're going to talk about soon is one way that we really hope to support people in doing this work in their own communities. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. Jess, can I ask a little bit about the extent to which you as an organization collaborate with other organizations that also work in prisons? Because given the complex landscape that you're talking about, I think it behooves everyone who's trying to do this important work to not have to reinvent the wheel. And so to what extent is there a network of organizations that not necessarily all related to yoga or mindfulness, but that you know can learn from one another's experience in terms of navigating these places? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're absolutely right. It's not something that any individual or any organization can solve. And, you know, we really see ourselves as not, we're not necessarily reforming the system, right? We're working within it. And I think that's an important thing to distinguish. There are advocates and activists and groups of community organizers who are really trying to dismantle these systems. And we recognize the importance of their work. And I think as individuals, a lot of us are also supportive of some of those efforts. However, we kind of live in an interesting space where we work within the system and we're trying to help people who are caught up in it right now, today. And to give them tools as individuals to help break the cycle of repeat incarceration, trauma, stress, you know, tools that we scientifically know help people intervene in that cycle. But if we were to be operating in a vacuum, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be changing things on a systemic level. So we do pursue partnerships with other organizations. One of them is the Freedom Education Program of Puget Sound, which is a college and prison program at the women's prison here, the state women's prison. And they offer bachelor's and associate degrees for women. And we have worked with them to integrate our curriculum and give women credit for participation in our courses. 
We also are in partnership with the Yoga Service Council based out of the, I'm not sure if they're based at the Omega Institute, but I know they do a yearly conference at the Omega Institute and are based on the East Coast. But our executive director, Rosa Vissers, has been a co-contributor and writer for a series of books that they are putting out. The first was um, Best Practices for Teaching Yoga to Victims of Sexual Violence. Or I might not be getting the title exactly correct. but And then this, the second one that she contributed to is the Best Practices for Teaching Yoga in the Criminal Justice System. And they're soon going to be releasing other books. They, they also have one for veterans and I believe for s- schools. So this is a group of thinkers and leaders and activists and yoga service folks who come together and convene to create resources, trainings, conferences, books, to ideally move forward these concepts of you know being trauma-informed, being really sensitive to the systems and various forms of oppression that affect these populations and working to make yoga and yoga tools as accessible, inclusive, and beneficial as possible. Those are some partnerships that we have that kind of stand out to me. And then, of course, you know, there are other groups that we have been in coalitions with. There was a movement, for instance, last year to implement the Ban the Box initiative that it was approved in King County, but it was a statewide ballot initiative. And that was for people, you know, our students when they get out of prison or people who are just arrested but not necessarily even convicted were having to disclose that on job applications. And there was a movement and coalition, broad grassroots coalition with lots of different organizations to help that get approved. And so that's why BB sometimes is able to also advocate on that level and join coalitions that are trying to really change policy and do some of that bigger system work. That is all so, so inspiring and amazing. I want to hear more about the yoga teacher training program that you guys started and also about the decision to take it to Namastream and make it available online to people beyond your immediate geographical area. Right. So our training is a really amazing a part of the work that we do. I'm so blessed that I get to be highly involved in it as a facilitator and also curriculum contributor. It's a constantly evolving, I was going to say beast, maybe that's not the best word for it, but it's a constantly, <laughs> it can it's, be just, the word. It's, a, it's, a, it's robust and potent and there's a lot that we pack into it. We've currently done them all in person, mostly in Washington State, though we've also taken our training on the road to Denver, Missoula, and Portland, Maine. We usually do about three to five a year in person, and those trainings generally have about 30 people. And gosh, the last six we've done have completely sold out. And they sell out sometimes months in advance. And we're realizing that more and more people want this information. They're interested in their disillusioned with the way that things are, the way yoga is, or their experience of it. And they come for a lot of different reasons, whether they're people who want to teach in prisons and jails specifically, or they want these tools and strategies to apply in clinical settings, in schools, in their personal lives. We really see a lot of different people coming. 
But what we've found is that we can't meet the need with just these in-person trainings. One, just we can't, we don't have the human capital (laughs) to put on more trainings per year, but we also you know, it's difficult for us to take it on the road. When we do that, it's a big chunk of our work that then we can't be doing on the ground here for our programs in Washington. So this training really has, you know, bringing it online, it it meets a lot of our goals. One, to get these tools out further to people requesting them, but also it can be a really unique way for YBB to get income because we historically have operated completely based off of donations. Again, being a 501c3 nonprofit, the government doesn't pay for this kind of programming. Most of the programs in facilities are run by volunteers, including ours. And so currently our in-person training is our only earned income. And our hope is that this training will also be a way that people can support our work when they purchase our modules and do the training. That money goes right back to our organization to help continue to build this work on the ground and also to continually, you know, improve the offerings out to the world. And so once someone, if you were to complete that training with you, do you get like a YBB certification or could I as a teacher approach my local prison and say, hey, I'd love to volunteer here. This is my training. Like what do they get when they finish? That's a great question. So we do require the in-person training for people who want to go on and be a YBB volunteer with our organization, which is a pretty comprehensive, you know, as a volunteer, there's certain expectations and communication and continuing education training and things that, you know, we really need that in-person relationship to start to kind of build that role. However, there are a lot of people who take our training who, again, want to take it into other places. And so if someone takes the training online, they wouldn't necessarily be able to become a YBB volunteer. But we're starting to learn that YBB has a reputation nationally, which is very humbling and flattering and has been kind of a a wonderful thing for us to witness when we do go to, for instance, the Yoga Service Council and that people are kind of looking to YBB in some ways for information and leadership. And so what we've learned is that when people take our training and go into their facilities or go to their local kind of communities and they share that they've been working with us or been trained by us or they've been given some help thinking about their curriculum through us, that we've seen a lot of successful programs get launched or bolstered and supported and scaled. So for instance, we've had people come to the training and then go back to like Nebraska, Alaska, New Mexico, Arizona, and start programs on their own. And what we are able to do is give people sort of resources. There's a module that's called how to start a program. And it's a four video module that really goes into some of the things that we've learned our best practices when you're approaching a facility and trying to start a new program, trying to start a new class. What kind of questions are you going to probably get asked? What are some good things to have in your back pocket to be able to educate people and advocate when you might be very much facing skeptics and downright resistance? So that's kind of the the intention and design of the module itself. But beyond that, you know, we want to have relationships with people to our best capacity So it's kind of going to depend a little bit like on people's persistence and how much they can advocate. 
because we get requests all the time and then we don't hear from people again. But when someone's really committed and dedicated and they're reaching out and they, you know, have capacity to invest themselves in this and gather people from their community, those kind of start to stand out and then we're able to lend a little bit more help. So it's not a super clear answer, but what we hope is that this training will help people identify, can I do this? I think going into the training, people might not know what are all the things I have to think about and that we ask questions to help people think, do I have the tools? Do I have the time? Do I have the awareness? Have I done my own personal inner work to show up and do this effectively and in a way that won't cause harm? These are the questions that we want this training to help people answer for themselves, even if it's not necessarily possible for us to hold their hands and, you know, go and do the work with them. I'm just thinking if I'm listening and I'm interested in getting involved in supporting your organization, can I purchase just like a couple of the modules or do I need to completely purchase the entire YTT program? Yeah. So maybe this is a helpful time for me to give a little overlay of, of, of what the sure. training is going to look like yeah. and what the options will be. So as I said, our in-person training is about 17 hours and we have almost, I think, near the equivalent of online content. And what it will look like is there'll be a main training package that people can purchase. And that will include all of the modules except for the how to start a program because we know not everyone that's going to take this is going to need that. So that will be an additional module. And then there'll also be demonstration classes that people can view either as a instructor trying to really learn from the instructor or you could be a student and watch the video and participate in the class on your own. Those will also be for separate purchase. If people are interested in taking the whole training, there will be some modules for a standalone purchase, and those will include the trauma-informed teaching, which is about two hours of content. That is kind of the bread and butter of the training. So that will be a standalone module, also a module on yoga and social justice that we find is equally as important as being trauma-informed and that they're actually highly related to one another is having a lens and some awareness around social justice issues and the intersections of various forms of oppression that impact the populations we work with and really impact everybody. And then we'll also have the demo classes as standalone. So if someone doesn't need any training, but they are really interested in being a student of a trauma-sensitive class because we realize some people may not have access to that at all in their communities. And we do hope our online training can also be a place that people who want a yoga class that is going to be mindful of like certain challenges that or fears or concerns that they might have in a studio setting can come to a Nama stream for. And then Within that, there we'll probably experiment a little bit and see how people respond and use the training and use the modules and we'll listen to feedback and tweak some things. But that's kind of our plan at this point. I think it's so smart that you as a nonprofit are thinking outside the box and beyond just going out and asking donations. Like that makes me so proud that you're using that technology and proud that we are able to facilitate that in some small part. But I just love that you are doing that and just trying to like, what else can we do to raise money to support the work that we're doing that doesn't involve just constantly asking, you know, from the donors. So yeah, well done. Thank you. And thank you so much to 
namaste and to both of you, Jenny and Sandy, for your belief and support in the, the work that we do in hosting YBB on your platform so generously. We really couldn't have done this without you and all, all the support that you've given. And it's it really is pretty thrilling and exciting because anybody who works at a nonprofit knows just the reality of this sector is mm-hmm. that you do have to spend How a hard. lot of time fundraising and every year start over. And every year there's scary times like, are we going to be able to meet our budget? Are we going to be able to pay our staff? Are we going to be able to continue our programs? And YBB is at a challenging place because you know, like you said, there's a lot of skepticism out there, like that yoga is just this kind of spa activity. And there's a lot of work we need to do to educate people about why these tools are beneficial and needed in our communities. And then we're also dealing with the challenge of the judgments and skepticism around why invest in people in prison, why invest in incarcerated communities, you know, why not invest that money elsewhere. And so we have to answer a lot of tough questions to really kind of get people behind this work. And I'm just so thrilled that we can maybe divert a little bit of that time, which is that education is an important piece, but we can really spend more time with the students and improving the programs and improving the curriculum and just further refining and culling and honing our approach and sharing it with others. My hope is that this will help us focus on that more. So you're right on, spot on in just acknowledging that this is a big opportunity. Mm -hmm. Well, I just want to say I audit our database and see what's being uploaded and just sort of make sure it's all, you know, appropriate content and spot check. And whenever I see one of your videos coming in from your organization, it just sort of warms my heart. And I love the work that so many of our clients are doing. I think there are a lot of amazing teachers and organizations and studios using the platform, but there's something special about what you're doing that really speaks to me and almost makes you know, it worth it. <laughs> Just uh, it sort of is is like this to me, this capstone that if the software can allow this kind of training and this kind of education to expand out beyond, you know, Seattle and Washington in the Northwest, then that's that's made all of this <laughs> worth it for me. So thank you for the work that you do. And I know that we have a lot of yoga teachers that listen to our podcast. It's probably the largest segment of listeners that we have. So hello to all of you. And I know that there are going to be some specific questions. So Sandy's asked you some great questions so far, and I know there, there are going to be resources we can send folks to. But I have a specific question that I know is going to be on the minds of many which is just about CE credits. So have you all worked with Yoga Alliance to allow for your online training to be a continuing education credit through Yoga Alliance? Is there any sort of partnership there? Have you guys explored that? Mm -hmm. We are in conversation with Yoga Alliance, especially under their new leadership and just curious about how things are going to evolve there. Yeah. For sure. Historically, what people have done in our in-person training is they have been able to go into Yoga Alliance and they've been able to enter our training as a continuing education elective. So it's not officially a Yoga Alliance kind of sponsored activity, but within everybody's kind of need to re-up and stay certified, there are opportunities to get credits that there's like four criteria and YBB meets one of the criteria that's it says something like, people who have expertise in a specific field of application. 
So YBB meets that, being one of the most experienced organizations working with these tools in prisons and jails. And I believe with the online training, the trickiest thing will just be that it will be, we're not sure exactly how we'll be able to discern if someone has completed the training. So what we'll probably do is we'll have to have people submit a kind of like testimony or write-up or just maybe a brief kind of quiz. I think we're still figuring out some of those curriculum questions, but then we can send them a certificate of completion. So that's a great question and definitely something that's been on my mind. And we're, yeah, going to still, I guess, be figuring that out once we start seeing people and engage with the platform. But I definitely think it's possible for people to continue in that fashion of utilizing this as elective credit. Yeah, that's great. Wonderful. That's great. Thank you. So we are going to run you through Proust's questionnaire. We do this with every guest. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and you're just going to answer one or two words, whatever pops into your mind first. All right. <laughs> what is your idea of perfect happiness? Feeling alive in every cell of my body. What is your greatest fear? Not living up to my full potential. Wasn't that your answer, Jenny? I think that was your answer. answer. Which living person do you most admire? First thing that comes to mind is Brian Stevenson, founder of the Equal Justice Initiative. Which talent would you most like to have? Empathy. Who are your favorite writers? Brian Stevenson, Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, Robin Wall, Khmer. Those are some that come off the top of my head. That's great. And what is your motto? My motto? Something around tough love. Like the boundaries are so important and Mm. being boundaried yet loving is is like, yeah, something about tough love. (laughs) Love it. No, that's great. Thank you. Okay. And finally, we ask every single guest for a joy and a hustle. So something that brings you joy that you can share with our audience and also a tool to help them hustle in their work. Something that is bringing me a lot of joy right now is I'm practicing something where every time I notice that I'm feeling judgmental of another person and how icky that feels, I try to just deflect that back to loving myself. And it's working. (laughs) It's pretty incredible. I used to try to love that person or let go of that judgment. And that's really hard to do. But I'm finding that if I direct that energy back to myself, it's actually pretty profound how much it it shifts the way I feel about that other person. So that's bringing me a lot of joy to just have that tool that I feel like could be very life changing for me. And then a hustle. Wow, I think, okay, something that's helping me hustle is moving a lot more while I'm working. So I think, you know, being a yoga instructor and being someone that's like really advocating for more movement and being in the body, it's pretty amazing how much time I'm actually on my computer, which doesn't make me feel like I'm in my body, doesn't really keep me in contact with my breath. So I'm giving myself more and more permission to take movement breaks no matter where I am. And if that means like I'm in a coffee shop or I'm in a public space, like just having the courage to get up and move my body in a way that might not be like what everyone else is doing or is normal. But I've noticed it's making me so much more productive and happy and joyful and going back to the joy. So that's something that I'm just uh, being a more and more of an advocate for advocate for 
with people doing this work. That's great. That's perfect. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jess. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about where people can find out about Yoga Behind Bars and your tremendous work there? Yeah. And it's something I'm really realizing that I didn't say, but I think is very important to acknowledge is that this training, it's really changed the way that not only I teach, but the way that I practice myself to learn more about what it means to teach trauma-informed. So if people are not sure, like, oh, I don't really teach people with trauma, or I don't teach in like yoga service, I teach in a studio setting, and what I'm doing is I'm happy with the way that I'm doing it. I think that our training is really aiming to just dig a little deeper into the things that maybe we're doing just out of habit and pattern and that we haven't really questioned. And it's not about do it this way, don't do it this way, although we do have recommendations. But to me, it's a beautiful opportunity to investigate ourselves and how we show up as instructors and what kind of patterns and assumptions and just habits we bring into our teaching and whether or not those are really serving us and our students in a way that we're aware of. And so it's really an opportunity to kind of reflect and dig into ourselves. So I just hope that people will listen to the intro to the training, learn a little bit about more what the modules cover. And even if it's maybe not something that immediately seems relevant, just do a little bit of that digging and who knows what you might find. People can learn more by going to our website So yogabehindbars.org, they can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, we're always posting, you know, we'll be posting links to the training announcements and interesting articles and things. And if people are based here in Washington, you know, we have events locally all the time, so they can get on our mailing list. If anybody wants to reach out to us directly, they can contact YBB online at yogabehindbars.org. And that'll be a great place to field questions about the training itself. Yeah, that's great. Wonderful. And we just wanted to note that the time of recording is September 2018. You are about to soft launch to your existing list. And so if someone wants to take that online YTT, it may not be available to the public for a little bit. But so depending on when you're listening, just the timing may be off for you a little bit. Yeah, people should be able to access it via our website. We just won't be advertising. But if someone listens to this podcast and is like, oh, I want to do that right now, just go to our website, yogabehindbars.org, and there'll be information on how to access Okay, starting next week, September 12th. Awesome. Thank you, Jess. Wonderful. That was great. So interesting. Yay. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to share the work that we do. And yeah, just once again, really appreciate you all and the ability to use your beautiful platform. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Jess. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba teacher to sign up. It's totally free. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Soulful MBA podcast.